What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Theology and Worship podcast. Our mission is to equip the worship leader for spirit and truth worship. This morning, I want to talk about the Great Commission, or as I'm titling it, the Great Omission, because I think that a lot of our worship cultures have omitted the responsibility of the Great Commission. And I think it's easy to get caught up in this. Our job is to provide a musical experience for the church every single week. That musical experience needs to be excellent. It needs to be without distraction. It needs to be inspiring. We can do those three things without fulfilling the Great Commission. We can actually accomplish leading a musical experience without people being changed by the gospel. So I want to read really quick the Great Commission. This is in Matthew 28, and I believe 100% that this is the call of the worship pastor. He, of course, opens it up with all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And if you're one of the disciples sitting there listening to this, you're like, yeah, yeah, all, all authority obviously is yours. You just raised yourself from the dead. Um, so there, um, there's no reason for them to doubt that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to, to Jesus here. He says, go therefore. And when you see therefore in the Bible, you have to ask, what is it there for? Why go? Well, because all authority has been given to him. And so he, given all authority from heaven and earth, the first directive that he makes is for us to go. Go therefore, the therefore is there because all authority has been given to Jesus. So he's saying, listen, I'm the boss of bosses. Here's the thing I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So all authority has been given to Jesus He's proven that by the resurrection. He's giving now the first commission or command after all authority, and it's go and make disciples and teach. How often do we neglect these things in our worship context? I love this passage because it makes very simple the mission and purpose of the pastor while also being so packed with so much truth. So I want to go through this line by line a little bit slower here. Go means go. I've heard that the Greek means as you are going, so it's less of a command and more of a, you know, if you get around to it, but I would disagree with that and say the word go means to go. It means we are actively pursuing on mission, this becomes who we are. We are people who go and make disciples and teach uh, the things that Jesus has commanded. That's who we are. Make disciples means that we are making people disciplined to be like their master. In other words, we are going to create through relationships systems to inspire people to discipline themselves to be like Jesus. I love the directive here is all nations, that we're not supposed to go after one people group. We're not supposed to only go after the young guitar players. We're not, we're, we're all nations, all races, all tribes. 
Next, baptize them. Jesus invites us to be part of that symbol that represents us joined with Jesus, putting ourselves into the grave with him, and then raising again in newness of life. When was the last time you helped baptize someone? They not, not helped by playing the music while the baptisms were happening, but that you were actually in the tank with them, baptizing them, because your faith journey and their faith journey have come in alignment for a second, and that you've been a part of them experiencing Jesus in such a way that they have disciplined themselves to be like him, and they've chosen to take that step of baptism. This is the Great Commission. This is what we should be doing. I love here, it's a Trinitarian experience. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means that Trinitarian thinking, uh, communication is coming out in and through your worship culture, that you're often recognizing not only the Father who created all things, not only the Son who has risen victoriously and accomplished the cross, not only the Holy Spirit who's given us the gifts, but you're experiencing them all three uh, together, teaching them. This is why teaching is a huge part of my worship culture and community, because the Great Commission tells me to teach them, and the calling of what I need to teach them is pretty vast, to observe all that I've commanded you. So at the very, very least, I'm called to teach them everything that Jesus said, which means that I need to have read it, studied it, processed it, allowed it to change me, and I've now committed it to memory, and now I'm systematically teaching it to the people that God has put under me. And this sounds like a big, huge task and a big, huge calling. Um, I love how Paul would say it, that he wants to uh, display the full counsel of God, and so you need to have a pretty good understanding of the full counsel if you're going to be able to, to share that with anybody. This is a huge calling, but look at the end of it. I'm with you always to the end of the age. And I'm not saying this to put a burden on people. I think it's a sobering, refreshing reminder that our job is not to put together set lists. Our job is not to sing the songs. It's not to play the music. It's not to be excellent on stage. Our job is to shepherd people. It's to be in their life, life on life watching the habits of their heart change as the Holy Spirit is sanctifying them from the inside out. And from the outside, we are providing teaching and pastoral care. In fact, I want to read uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Check this out. Shepherd the flock of God. This is verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Watch the heart here. Not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The idea here in this passage, and I think that we can really connect with this as worship pastors. I can get so caught up in keeping them happy so that they keep serving. In fact, we have a saying in our culture, decline, you'll be fine, because I'm not going to put a burden to serve on people who are not experiencing life change. I want worship to be an outflow of what God is doing in and through the people, the individuals in my community. I understand that if they're experiencing Jesus, then people are going to be able to experience Jesus through them. 
And so I am about discipling people to look like Jesus, disciplining them by teaching them. And not an, and here's the here's the fact of the matter. This passage is so sobering and it, and it, and, it, and it hits me hard because I have shepherded them under compulsion. I've shepherded them for shameful gain. I've shepherded them so that they keep serving, so that they keep hitting confirm, so that they keep showing up. And I'm just, I'm, I'm over that. And I repent of that. And I realize now that I've lived into the great omission. I've used it for the wrong reasons or completely ignored it. I just wonder what a worship culture would look like if we took discipleship seriously. If we started to think of people not as guitar players, not as bass players, not as drummers, not as great singers, and not as tenors and sopranos, but actually started to look at them as people who need to experience Jesus, who need to experience the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, who need to be taught the word of God. I just wonder what our worship cultures would look like. And that's what I intend to build here where I am. And that's what I'm encouraging you guys also to build. Live into the Great Commission.